Good morning. Today is Friday, the 5th of June, 2006. Today is Ember Friday. As we spoke about earlier this week, the Ember Days occur four times a year. The summer Ember Days are, they're always a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, are um, the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday after Pentecost. So that's this week. And these are times when we pray for ministry. We pray for those in the process to become ordained ministers. We pray for um, all members of the church because all members of the church are ministers. And so we have a focus on ministry of, of, of all kinds at this time. And it's also the time when folks in the ordination process write letters to the bishop. So you write an ember letter reflecting on what you're learning and how you're growing and that sort of thing. So as someone in that process, um, I'm doing that reflection and, and writing that letter to my bishop. And this time with you is, is definitely informing um, my reflection process. So I appreciate that very much. But in a much broader and deeper as well sense, um, this focus on ministry has been really illuminating for me um, in this time of national grief and anger and and chaos and tragedy and all of those things. Um, yesterday, of course, there was the the remembrance for George Floyd. Uh, the service was held and also, at least in my home state, there was at, at 2 p.m. a moment of silence. And I believe, as you guys have heard me talk about before, that all of, all of these things are interconnected. And that this, this is and should be a time of great awakening. And awakening is painful. So sometimes people lash back at the pain of an awakening with, with ugly acts. Acts of, of violence in many ways, verbal or um, physical, all those manifestations. And I am called, and may I humbly call you as well, to react not out of violence, but out of love. So as hard as it is, where you're given ugliness, give that to God. No need for you to carry it. Give it right to God and give back in its place love. And by that, I don't mean that you should allow yourself to be abused in any way. That's never my intent. Giving back love might mean praying for someone who has hurt you. It might mean standing up and speaking out in a way that is respectful and measured and calm. We talked about um, Bishop Bud doing that the other day, and I believe, I believe that that is an example of giving back love. Um, she wasn't ugly. She wasn't violent. 
she spoke and she spoke strongly. And I think that we can all take from that and many other examples. Um, I really honestly believe that for, for every example not to follow out there, there is an example to follow. And it's hard. I know it's hard, my friends. But now we gather together in prayer to draw from that life source of the divine, to process with each other, to learn with each other, to gain insight and to hear God's message. Our readings for this morning are Psalms 40 and 54, Galatians 3, 15 through 22. I'm sorry, I skipped. We're reading Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7 as well, and Galatians, and also the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. Although there are not, and we will say special prayers for Ember Day, although there are not um, special readings in the daily office lectionary, in the Eucharistic lectionary or in the main lecture, lectionary, however you would want to call that, um, the revised common lectionary, what we would normally read during the Eucharist or a feast day, there are readings under various occasions on page 930 of the Book of Common Prayer. For the ministry one, for the ministry two, and for the ministry three. And those correspond with the collects that we find on, hang tight, I've got to refine them again. The collects that we find on page 256 of the Book of Common Prayer. So one and these are for the ministry for Ember Day. So we'll say these prayers today, but we're not going to read the readings that go along with them today. We're going to read the readings for this, this day in the daily office to so kind of keep in the flow there. Um, but if you're wanting to read the special readings, um, one would be for those to be ordained. Two would be for the choice of fit persons for the ministry. And three would be for all Christians in their vocations. All right. So that being said, thank you for being here. I really appreciate all of you. We are going to begin on page 78 of the Book of Common Prayer. And the opening verse that we're going to use today is usually for um, all saints and other major saints days, but I think today with the focus on ministry and also I think in remembrance of those saints whose lives have been taken by violence and there have been many martyrs throughout time and I think that we can count George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Aubrey among them. So I think it's appropriate. We are no longer strangers and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, 
and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation, and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. We will use the Confession of Sin from Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1, because, as we talked about yesterday, I just feel like it's so appropriate at this time. It's found on page 19. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Now is a good time to give up to God anything that needs healing from guilt and shame within us. So let us confess um, in silence also at this time both those things that we've done and then also anything that we feel guilt or shame about so that God can heal it. Um, And I think those two things kind of go together. So we're confessing, as one of the confessions says, what we've done and what we've left undone. Um, The left undone is what I kind of think of as the sin of omission, the times that we should have spoken up and we didn't, the times that God called us to be love in the world and we weren't. But there's another thing too, and it has to do with false accusation and also with, with when we're sinned against, which I guess false accusation is part of. So it's a terrible thing that victims of abuse Victims of sin often feel guilt and shame. And like the one really clear and terrible example of this is children who are sexually abused feel so much shame and guilt over that, even though there's nothing that they did. And it's a sin that's been perpetuated or perpetrated rather against them. Um, and, and this is, this is particularly, this strikes home with me because I've been the victim of false accusations. And even though I didn't 
do the things that I was being accused of doing. I felt so much guilt and shame just in being accused. So I think that there is an awakening happening within my heart. For the falsely accused. And not that I'm comparing myself in any way to Jesus. Please don't, don't draw that parallel. But Christ himself was falsely accused and received the ultimate punishment for these false accusations. It is one, it is the culmination, Christ's death that is, of Christ coming to earth, being made human and experiencing everything that we experience in our humanity. So the terrible pinnacle. Of human suffering. So I and anyone else. Suffering from this particular. Shame that that doesn't belong to us. I think can rest in Christ. That the deep empathy of one who has walked this path before. The ultimate compassion is with us. And as with everything, as with all suffering, we enter into it cooperatively with God, not to wallow in the suffering, but to allow it and ourselves to be transformed. That that which was powerfully meant for evil will be turned powerfully to good. And I do not say this lightly at all especially in light of the fact that the saints and martyrs, George and Brianna and Ahmed, and the unfortunately many others that have gone before, including John the Baptist that we talked about today, or this week, and Jesus, they know the terrible suffering and death leading even unto death of false accusation, of false punishment. And that's the other side, or I guess that's the, that's the terribly significant second effect of false accusation, right? Is false punishment 
these saints and martyrs definitely did not deserve to die. And I would argue that death is an unjust punishment, that there is always opportunity for redemption. That even the perpetrator of the most evil acts can be redeemed. All things are possible with God. That's my personal belief. But in getting back to the the extra terribleness of an innocent, falsely accused and falsely punished, falsely murdered, there is a great grief there. And I know it's true that none of us are, are, are completely innocent. But at the same time, None of us are completely evil. People aren't evil. Powers and systems and and actions can be evil, but humans weren't created that way. So I'm sorry for waxing on awfully long here, but let's do take a moment and anything that's weighing us down, anything that, that we are feeling shame or guilt over. I pray that we are freed from that now. Whether it's a sin we've committed or a sin visited upon us or a sin per- perpetrated against us. I think visited is too light of a word. So whether it's a sin we've committed or a sin committed against us, Let's give that up to God, and along with it, let's compassionately and bravely connect through that suffering to all of those victims of sin, particularly false accusation and unjust punishment. God, heal us. Christ, in your mercy, heal, redeem, restore. Work your justice, God. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. 
Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouths proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Day by day, we bless you. We praise your name forever. O God, be merciful to us and bless us. Show us the light of your countenance and come to us. Let your ways be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Day by day we bless you. We praise your name forever. Psalm 40 I waited patiently for God. God inclined to me and heard my cry. God drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in God. Happy are those who make God their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O oh my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Here I am. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O oh God. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O God, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. For evils have encompassed me without number. My iniquities have overtaken me until I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails me. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. 
O God, make haste to help me. Let all those be put to shame and confusion who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is God. As for me, I am poor and needy, but God takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Psalm 54 Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For the insolent have risen against me. The ruthless seek my life. They do not set God before them. But surely God is my helper. God is the upholder of my life. God will repay my enemies for their evil. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a freewill offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O God, for it is good. For God has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice offered by fools, for they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Never be rash with your mouth, nor, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven, and you upon earth. Therefore let your words be few, for dreams come with many cares, and a fool's voice with many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it, for God has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your words and destroy the work of your hands? With many dreams come vanities and a multitude of words, but fear God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle I, a song of Jonah. I cried to you, O God, out of my distress, and you answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I ever look again upon your holy temple? 
The waters closed in over me. The deep was round about me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land beneath the earth. Yet you brought up my life from the depths, O God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O God. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. For deliverance belongs to God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Galatians, chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. Brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to Sarah and to their offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, as of many, but it says, and to your offspring, that is, to one person, who is Christ. My point is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it no longer comes from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham and Sarah through the promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels by a mediator. Now a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. Is the law then opposed to the promises of God? Certainly not, for if a law had been given that could make alive, then righteousness would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what was promised through faith, through faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 18, A Song to the Lamb Splendor and honor and royal power are yours by right, O God Most High. For you created everything that is, and by your will they were created and have their being. And yours by right, O Lamb that was slain. For with your blood you have redeemed for God. From every family, language, people, and nation, a royal priesthood to serve our God. And so to the one who sits upon the throne, and to Christ the Lamb, be worship and praise, dominion and splendor, forever and forevermore. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, 
battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to see, to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret. After the people of that place recognized him, they sent word throughout the region and brought all who were sick to him, and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate. Spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We'll use suffrages set A. They begin on page 97 of the Book of Common Prayer. As usual, just because it sounds so odd to have dead space, I will read both the verse and the response. Um, But if you were here with me physically, or we were together on, on the airwaves, so to speak, I would read the verse and you would read the response. Show us your mercy, O God and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. 
Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Colics for the Ministry, Ember Days. For those to be ordained. Almighty God, the giver of all good gifts, in your divine providence you have appointed various orders in your church. Give your grace, we humbly pray, to all who are now called to any office and ministry for your people. And so fill them with the truth of your doctrine and clothe them with holiness of life that they may faithfully serve before you, to the glory of your great name and for the benefit of your holy church, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. For the choice of fit persons for the ministry, O God, You led your holy apostles to ordain ministers in every place. Grant that your church, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, may choose suitable persons for the ministry of word and sacrament, and may uphold them in their work for the extension of your sovereignty. Through the one who is the shepherd and bishop of our souls, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For all Christians in their vocation, Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers, which we offer before you for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you, Through our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Collect for Proper Four, the Sunday and week following um, the season after Pentecost. O God, your never-failing providence sets in order all things, both in heaven and on earth. Put away from us, we entreat you, all hurtful things, and give us those things which are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A Collect for Peace O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
Amen. A Collect for Grace O God, almighty and everlasting Creator, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I like the order that we um, started yesterday, where we share reflections on Scripture and then the prayer for mission. I like that because it kind of feels like sending us forth after having talked all of this over. So starting with the Psalms, these are really good Psalms for right now when, man, it's a time when we need help and rescue and healing. And so we, like the psalmist, cry out and know that God hears our cry. And that's a theme that runs through both Psalms and also our Old Testament or our Hebrew scripture reading um, that God, actually, I think it's through all of our readings today, that God hears us. And, and then, too, there, there's a corollary, we should then listen to God. And as Ecclesiastes 5 says, to draw near to listen is better than, and gives several examples. I think that, I think that we don't do enough listening. I know it's something I myself am working on. And I mean both that conversational listening where one party is really not listening to the other but waiting their turn to speak and sometimes impatiently Um, and so active listening I think is really an important part of connecting um And we're really not doing that. We are, I think in Brene's podcast with um, Patricia, oh my goodness, I can't ever remember her last name, but the author of um, The Dance of Anger, he talked about defensive listening. Like you're just building your case for your being right and what the other person is saying is wrong and you're kind of picking it apart. We do that all too often. So I'm, yes, to all of these things. And then also a deeper listening. So we, we talked in, in my somewhat long intro 
this morning about awakening, becoming aware, and how that can be both painful and sometimes also it can it can get distorted and one way i think to both cooperate with the awakening so that you are enduring in a positive way that moves forward into growth and transformation and also to thwart the distortion of the pain of awakening um, and keep it on the path of love as opposed to getting um, sidetracked or distracted into woundedness, right? Put it, it's most simply that the good pain does not become bad pain. And by good, I mean leading towards healing and growth. And bad, I mean leading away from. Um, and, and the way, I think one of the ways to do, to do that is to use those newly awakened senses that are somewhat raw to tune to hear the voice of God and to hear the message of God and to really... When we are in this raw awakening state, I do believe that we are vulnerable. So I believe that we must pray up a hedge of protection around ourselves and our families and our communities at this time. And we must spiritually attune ourselves to God. We don't want just any voice to speak in to us in this newly receptive or more receptive state. We want it to be God's voice and God's message. And so by really spending time with God and really tuning our ears to the frequency of the Holy Spirit and moving and listening and being in the spiritual rhythm of our souls and God and the divine within us, we can have such a flood of, of hearing from God that it replaces and drowns out and turns aside and all of the counter-inspiring messages and keeps us on the path of love and compassion and keeps us wrapped in God's grace. And along with that, we do need to be careful as Ecclesiastes warns us of of, of what we speak. And in this case, the writer is referring to vows. You know, if you're going to make a vow, don't break it. And of course, in his usual snarky way, he's like, better to just not make the vow at all because you're hum- human and fallible and you're probably just going to break it anyway. I, I would say that 
that's a counter-inspired way of looking at it. Uh, you know, I'm human and fallible, so I better just not even try. Because here's the answer. We can with God's help. That's why we've got to be really tuned in in the listening first before we speak so that we, what we know, so that we know that we're speaking what God wants us to speak, that, that our, our words are within God's will, that the vows that we're making are vows that God wants us to make. And I know, I, I really honestly think it's one of the hardest things in the world to respond instead of react. But if we practice it, if we practice listening, if we practice not just receiving, but filtered receiving, where we receive God's message and we let the rest fall away for God to handle, then I think when we practice this over and over, it gets to be like that muscle memory. And so it, the reaction becomes not to react to what has just been given to or unfortunately sometimes thrown at us but to take a to take a breath and to enter into God's presence and to say a prayer so prayerful breath can become the immediate reaction when you practice enough that it's in place it's hard to step out of that emotional mind um as, as one of the good psychologists that I know says, it's really hard to step out of that emotional mind and try to be in what the psychologist would call rational mind, what I would call responsiveness instead of reactiveness. That is really tough to do. But if you get it so that it is not something that you have to reach for, it's something that's there automatically because you've practiced it so much and you've really made it part of your rhythm then it is there right away, if that makes any sense. Um, what was really, another thing that was really interesting is in, in the first verse of chapter five of Ecclesiastes here, um, where it talks about fools, they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Here's what my commentary has to say. For they do not know may mean that fools can be so foolish that they are unaware when their sacrifices produce harm. Um, and this, and it has sacrifices in there because it's speaking specifically about sacrifices offered by fools. But I think there's a direct correlation here to something that we've been talking about a lot lately, which is the unawareness or the asleepness, or I've said the asleep in a nightmareness of those who, who are not spiritually awakened. And I, I think that this is affirmation here. Um, the unaware, those who are not hearing and receiving God's word, those who are not tapped in to the divine, um, either within themselves or, or God, uh, they don't know. They are ignorant, and I think that's the definition of foolish that, that we're really looking at here. They are, they are ignorant, and that doesn't excuse what they're doing, but it can maybe help us find compassion for them. And maybe the other way in which we can find compassion is, I think we've all experienced 
how painful it is to be awake. We just feel things. We feel the pain of others. We feel conviction is a painful thing as well. And so maybe we can have compassion that when awakening comes, and it will come, we might not be around to see, and it's none of our business, really, others' awakenings. But it can be very painful. So maybe we can have compassion that suffering suffering will come. And I know it's, it's tempting to be to be gleeful that those who have made us suffer will suffer themselves. But that's, that's obviously not the, not the messenger point here. So Galatians, was a little tough for me. Like I, I really kind of had to to sit with it for a minute and to read the com- what the commentary had to say about it. And I, th- and what I came away from was was this um i do think it's an interesting interesting perspective i'd like to 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 lift it up to god and and to think on it today as we go about our days but the perspective that the law was a temporary measure put into place until christ could come and give us the law of love the ultimate law I think that's an interesting concept. Um, it kind of goes along with elsewhere in scripture where it, it says that spiritual food for the, um, those new, um, compares them to infants is different than spiritual sustenance for those who are mature in spiritual ways. I think this, there's a relation here when, when we're learning, it helps to, have specific guidelines, right? Think about household rules or classroom rules or step-by-step instructions for doing something. We've talked before about this in terms of, of, of formulaic. And of course, no, no formula and no law except the law of love can cover everything. But those guidelines help give a framework, right? But then when Christ comes, the law of love encompasses all of these things. But it really is kind of graduate level spirituality, so to speak. And I hope that's not offensive. And we are not ready for it at first. I know I certainly wasn't. As I grew on my spiritual path, I definitely went through a formulaic time and it was in some ways helpful and in other ways it was wounding. I think we have to be very careful with the way that we use the law. And I think this is a helpful reminder that it's a temporary measure meant to help guide us 
until we awaken, here we are back to awaken, awaken spiritually and really tap into Christ and Christ's mission. And I think that if we can hold this in our minds, it will be helpful. And I think it, it, it's an important reminder too that the law was never intended to, to wound. It was intended to help, not hurt. It's supposed to be like a ladder we use to climb or like guidelines that we use to keep us on the path, not a bludgeon to beat people with. And along with that, we remember that no matter how awakened we are, how spiritually tapped in, how much time we're spending with God, how much effort, no matter, no matter, we're all doing the best that we can at any given moment in time. And no matter how much we're invested and steeped in spirituality and in relationship with God, we are still going to fall short. We are imperfect but beloved and lovely. And so let's have so much compassion for ourselves and for others on this walk. And as hard as it is, let's have compassion for those who are being ugly and wounding because it's coming out of their own woundedness. And that's not to say that we condone wounding, but to help us have compassion for it. We are all circling way back to when we started talking today. At times the wounded and at times the wounder. At times the accused and at times the accuser. At times the punished and at times the punisher. And these things are not as binary as I made them sound just now in pairs. They all exist together. And... And really, so often, the lack of compassion we show for others is a lack of compassion for ourselves. We often detest most what we see in others as a reflection of ourselves. It's that thing that that deep inside of us, we're afraid that we are like this. And so we hate it so much when we think we see it in someone else. And it can be completely subconscious. And so the first step, I think, is to get comfortable with ourselves in this awakening, to experience God's love within our own souls. Our gospel reading this morning um, from Matthew, I just think this is so beautiful. I, I know this is a this is a much read one, but what really stood out to me today was that Jesus sent them in the boat. And then when it was time for Jesus to come to them, Jesus didn't have to wait for the boat or find another boat. Jesus made a way. When it's time for us to move, God will open the way. And I'm really feeling this both literally and figuratively in my life right now, is I am myself about to physically move. And it's been a long time coming and it's been tough and there have been obstacles and blocks in the road, but God has, has continued to remove them. And it, it hasn't always looked like the way that I wanted it to look. A major obstacle was removed from me yesterday, 
but it was not done in a way that was comfortable for me. It was, it was very difficult. Um, I, it was unjust actually. So I know that the, the action itself wasn't entirely within God's will, but what I know is this, the clearing of the path is within God's will. So this is another example in my own life of God takes something that the enemy meant for evil and uses it for God's good. So God's going to use this with me. God is setting me on the path. God is helping me stay on the path. God is loving me through all of this. And, and I, like Peter, step out to join God in this water walk of love on the path of love across all kinds of terrain, even the surface of the sea. And I too am afraid and sometimes start to sink. But just like Peter, Christ immediately reaches out and catches me, catches you, catches us. When we cry out, God is already right there. And I, I really, I'm really letting This imagery, excuse me, this scene seep into my life right now. I'm steeping in it. I'm really imagining myself stepping out onto the waves and at those points in, in, you know, my recent past where I have felt suddenly seized with anxiety I I have now this image to put toward it where I start to sink, but I reach for God and I feel the cold water. I feel the terror. I'm able then to, to give, give word and description and expression to what it feels like in that anxiety. It feels like suddenly starting to slip beneath the water and reaching out panicked but Jesus being there calm and steady and taking my hand and lifting me up. And this goes all the way back and connects to the Psalms that we read this morning where God lifts us out of the pit. So I think I'd like to leave us with that, that that when there are pitfalls, when we are afraid or when we are pushed or or all of those things, whether the catalyst is internal or external. God reaches out and lifts us up. And it's mutual. We reach for God and God reaches for us. And just picture that calm, steady, strong hand of Jesus on ours. Feel, physically feel in your body Christ's loving arms wrapping around you and lifting you up. And you know what I think too? I think after, after Christ lifts us up, he just cradles us to him for a moment. The way if a child falls, their mama just scoops him up and cradles him for a moment. So just for a minute here, let's rest. Let's rest and let's get some healing. Let's draw some healing 
from Christ, from the beautiful heart of Christ as we're cradled in Christ's arms. And the next time we're seized by fear or we're pushed by an enemy, we know that we don't hit the bottom of that pit. We don't stay there. There's not quicksand at the bottom that we get stuck in. As soon as we start to feel ourselves falling, as soon as we feel the water rushing up, we reach up and Jesus lifts us. Amen. Well, that's been quite the long morning prayer (laughs) this morning. Thank you all so much. I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I'm awed and humbled that anyone would want to listen (laughs) to me reading and reflecting. And it is such a gift. This process, this, this prayer, these words that we share, this conversation that we're having, it means so much to me. It has been a spiritual lifeline for me and is like, It's like a well that taps into the living water that I come and draw from every morning. I am so thankful, my friends. May God bless you. May you be so blessed just as God blesses me through you. So let's say the prayer of St. Francis is our prayer for ministry. I mean, our, (laughs) our prayer for mission. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood is to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. For closing prayers today, I'd like to use actually the canticle and blessing from the Celtic Daily Prayer Book 2, farther up and farther in, their daily office morning prayer. And I know this isn't the usual way one would use a canticle, but I, I just think this is perfect for our closing blessing. Christ as a light, illumine and guide us. Christ as a shield, overshadow us. Christ under us, Christ over us. Christ beside us on our left and our right. This day be within and without us, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom we speak, in the mouth of each who speaks unto us. This day be within and without us, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside us, on our left and our right. May the peace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, go with us, wherever he may send us. May Christ guide us through the wilderness, 
protect us through the storm. May Christ bring us home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown us. May Christ bring us home rejoicing once again into our doors. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.